Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Relationship Center on the Edify Podcast Network, and I'm glad you've tuned in. My name is Anis Homboye, and today we are continuing with our series on overcoming last from the book of Proverbs chapter 5. And we have looked at this chapter in uh, three parts so far, from verse 1 to verse 6, and we have seen what Solomon says to us concerning living a sexually pure life. It is our desire that we have purity of body, purity of mind, purity of heart, and that we live in such a way that God is glorified in our sexuality. And um, like I said, this is a chapter that I have personally memorized and that is dear to my heart. And so we're going to continue today from verse 7. But before that, let's just um, uh, let me just quote the entire chapter so that we can get the context and then dive into verse seven moving forward. It says, my son, pay attention to my words. Listen well to my words of insight that you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge for the lips of an adulteress drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she's bitter as gall, sharp as a double edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths are crooked, but she knows it not. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your best strength to others and your ears to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich another man's house. At the end of your life, you will groan when your flesh and your body are spent. You will say, how I hated discipline, how my heart spanned correction. I would not obey my teachers or listen to my instructors. I have come to the brink of utter ruin in the midst of the whole assembly. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a loving doe, a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always, and may you ever be captivated, intoxicated by her love. Why be captivated, my son? By an adulteress, why embrace the bosom of another man's wife? For a man's ways are before the Lord and he examines all his parts. The evil deeds of a wicked man ensnare him. The cause of his sin hold him fast. He will die for lack of discipline, led astray by his own great folly. Proverbs chapter 5 from the NIV version, NIV 1984. So we're looking at what Solomon is warning us as followers of the Lord concerning lust. And we looked at uh, verse 1, how we needed to pay attention, be self-aware. And we went on how we need to maintain discretion, how we need to be careful not to lose this wonderful gift called discretion. How we need to ensure that we overcome the the deception of lust because lust is alluring that lust is beautiful it it has a beautiful outlook but it's not really beautiful on the inside it's ugly on the inside so it's got a beautiful out out outside veneer but on the inside at its core it is rotten so when you put that when you put one and one and one together two and two together you realize that it's not really beautiful in totality it just has a form of beauty but it's got a lack of true inner beauty and we say that the end the end of last is death the end of last is death and we saw that last that is personified as a woman here uh objects to the way of life and we say that god has a way of life god has a pattern for love sex and relationships and we ought to follow that pattern so we now go to verse 7 
where we are told by Solomon, now then my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Now, it's interesting that the, the next strategy that Solomon gives us to overcome last is to listen. To listen and not to turn aside. To listen. Um, there is no greater way to be free than to obey. Now, he says, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. When I see Solomon write this, I hear him calling for complete obedience. Complete obedience. Why complete obedience? Because last is one of those things where partial obedience results in total destruction. Many a times I have counseled men and women who are not married, uh, they're believers, they're Christians, they were wait, they're waiting for sex until marriage and say, well, yes, we'll definitely not fornicate, but could we just, um, you know, make out, fondle, touch each other and get around uh, our bodies while sexually excited each other without penetrative sex? And I tell them, no, you cannot, because that is not partial that is that is partial obedience. That is not complete obedience. Uh, the writer of Proverbs 5, that's King Solomon, is calling for total obedience. Listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Do not turn aside. He asks for total precision in obedience. Many believers, many believers do not have precision in obedience when it comes to their sexual purity. Many believers have got general obedience. And so generally, you'll find believers who say, yes, we'll wait for sex until marriage. Generally, uh, we will live a pure life. Generally, but there is no precision. And as a result, many turn aside from what God says. I want you to imagine a piece of paper with two parallel lines. These lines are going in the same direction and they are equidistant from each other. And I want you to imagine at one point, as perhaps when you get to the halfway point, I want you to imagine that you deviate one of those lines just by two degrees. Deviate it by two degrees and then extrapolate the rest of the line with a ruler. And meanwhile, the other line, let it remain consistently straight. Do not deviate it to any degree, to the left or to the right. What happens to both lines at the end of the paper? Are they still equidistant? Are they still going in the same direction? The answer is no. They're going in totally different directions. In fact, the distance between them is huge. That's what happens between Christians who obey the Lord generally and those who obey the Lord with precision. That at the onset, at the beginning, you may see their lives and think, oh, we are we're pretty much the same. We've gone to the same school, received the same training, the same education. We've had the same gospel. But you find that there are believers who've got precise distinction, precise obedience. You know, they distinct their behavior from the world and they ask themselves, what does God want exactly? And with that, they remain consistent. They remain straight on the line that God has called them to. But there are some believers who just say, what does God want generally? Or God just wants us to be pure. Now, the problem with that is that you deviate yourself by a short, by, by a small degree. And when you extrapolate that line initially, that degree doesn't look like a big thing because you just, you just kind of separate from the other guys. You're just kind of distant. But you give it time. And with time, you realize that you're going in two different directions. Directions. You're no longer on the path that Christ set you. And not only that, but not only you're not also close to members of the body of Christ. What is your obedience posture as far as your sexual purity is concerned? Do you have absolute precise obedience or do you have general obedience? 
Now, one of the reasons we have general obedience and not precise obedience is that we love our sin. We love the flesh. I remember a girl wrote to me last week after uh, last week's podcast and said, you know, Ernest, I've realized I often excuse myself. I normally say since my love language is touch, I really need a boy who, you know, can, you know, get physically uh, involved with me. And the problem is that that physical involvement often leads me down a path of sin. So, she realized that she needed to obey the Lord precisely, not just generally. And she said, you know what? I really need to be self-aware. I really need not to lie to myself. My prayer is that when you hear what Solomon is saying, that you'd come to the same conclusion and find out what are those areas where you have a general obedience of the Lord and you don't have a precise obedience. What is your entertainment like? Do you just say, you know what, um, entertainment with pornography is bad? Yeah, but this kind of entertainment where a man and a woman are in bed, uh, they are, you know, kissing, they're making out, they are undressing. Uh, well, the bed sheets have covered them. No, no, that's okay. Is it okay in the eyes of a holy, holy God? The answer is no. And I'll tell you this, general obedience is no obedience at all. We either obey the Lord with all our hearts or don't obey him at all. When you read the book of First and Second Kings, you realize that there were a group of kings who were listed uh, in either Judah or Israel who obeyed the Lord half-heartedly. When you hear their stories, you hear that so-and-so uh, did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with all their heart. And it says how they compromised here and there and there and there. And guys, you realize that those kings who disobeyed and who were wicked... And those kings who are absolutely antithetical to the will of God almost were similar to those kings who had half-hearted obedience. Half-hearted obedience is no obedience at all. Listen to me, my sons, Solomon says. Do not turn aside from what I say. Let us have precise obedience. Let us ask the Lord, what do you want in this situation? What is your will in this situation? What is your desire in this situation? What would you have us do in this situation? What would you have us do in this relationship? What would you have us endure in this relationship? Is it your desire for absolute purity? Or is it your desire for us to be half-hearted in our obedience? Another reason why we've got a general sort of obedience is because we subscribe to the teachings of men instead of the teachings of God. We look at God's teaching and go like, oh, that's too much. That is ridiculous. That is out of this world. You know, that no one can do that. Absolutely no one. That's impractical. Come on, let's be real. What does the Bible say? The Bible says, I believe it is in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, that uh, this is love to obey the commands of God, and the commands of God are not burdensome. God's commandments are not burdensome. They're not out to put you down. They're not out to weigh you down. They're not out to discourage you, destroy you. They're out to hold you. They're out to esteem you. So look at what the precise obedience um, that Christians are given in Proverbs chapter 7, chapter 5, uh, from verse 7, moving forward. So let's go to verse 8. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. One of the ways in which we can have precise obedience is avoid any exposure to lustful content. Any exposure to lustful content will disintegrate your integrity. It will remove the capacity for you to stand firm. You see, lust 
has got a very powerful radiation and it works through what I call the law of progression. That if you are exposed to a little radiation of last today, tomorrow you desire more exposure. If you watch men and women um, touching one another on TV, tomorrow you want them to do more than touching one another. You want them to get their clothes off. And the day after that, you want them to see get naked and you want to see them having sex. There's a law of progression. Our sexual drives have an appetite that increases progressively. And the more you expose it to sexual content, the more it desires sexual content. And so that law of progression works in a very cunning way because we often think that we are in control in the early years of exposure or in the early uh, moments of exposure. You know, we still think, you know what, I, I, I watched that movie and I handled it, you know. I pretty much handled it. I, I watched that kissing scene and, you know, I, I didn't feel anything. I really am in control. But you don't know that the pro law of progression works like... It works like organic growth. When you plant a seed of a tree, you never hear the tree grow. You never go to sleep and hear some cracking sounds overnight and ask yourself, oh my goodness, what's that? And then you wake up and say, oh, it's just the tree growing. Trees don't grow with loud sounds. Trees grow quietly. Trees grow silently. You go away for a few months and come back and get shocked. My goodness, it was a seedling. Now it's as tall as I am. You go away for another few months, you come back and say, oh my goodness, it's now as tall as the house. That's how organic growth happens. It grows steadily and silently. It's the same with the law of progression with our sexuality. There's a steady, silent growth. And that growth is negative. So today you feel you can stomach that amount of of, of impurity in your entertainment. You can stomach those erotic novels. You can stomach that. You can stomach those sex scenes in some of those movies and series. Tomorrow, you have no idea that things have progressed silently, quietly. And as things progress, please understand that your spiritual stamina is getting weaker and weaker and your flesh is getting stronger and stronger. And by the time you fall, you realize it's too late. Look at what we are told. Keep to a path far from her. Maintain distance with sexual immorality. Maintain distance with anything that removes, that destroys the integrity of your sexuality. Do not go near the door of her house. Now, think about it. Uh, do not go near the door, the door of her house. So the images of a man who's going to a woman's house and perhaps they're going to fornicate or commit adultery. But look at what he's been told. He's not being told, uh, when you go to her house, stay away from her bedroom area. Stay away from uh, the couch. Stay away from areas where you can easily get comfortable. Um, stay away from areas near the window. Not, no, no. He's told, do not go near the door of her house, the front door. He's been told, we're not even talking about being inside the house. That is out of the question. We're not even going to talk about being inside the house. You shouldn't be inside the living room. You shouldn't be inside the bedroom. That's out of the question. You shouldn't even be inside the kitchen. Oh, honest, nothing can happen in the kitchen. Well, I can tell you many things can happen in the kitchen. But we've been told, no, don't go near the door of her house. Even the peripheral environment of sexual sin, you should not be around it. The peripheral environment. Well, I'll tell you, at the door of her house on the outside, that's a public area. People can walk by, people can see you. And that place where you think it's safe, that place where you think, mm, I'm in control, 
That thing, that place where you think mm, everybody can see us, I'm safe here. The Bible says don't go near the door of her house. Because you see, the law of progression today, you'll be comfortable near the door of her house. The next day you'll be comfortable and she says, come in, step in the patio. The next day you'll be comfortable and says, oh, come in just to move your jacket. The next day come in. There's always a law of progression. I've been told, don't give yourself that exposure. Don't do it. Don't go near the door of her house, the peripheral areas, the places where you think in your own understanding, you underestimate the power of lust and you overestimate your strength. Stay away. My wife and I, if you come and watch what we watch on TV, we watch what our kids watch. If our kids can't watch it, we can't watch it. And you see, we are careful to let our kids know that there's no such thing as um, sinful content that is okay for adults to watch, that is not okay for children to watch. We want them to know that even when you get as an adult, you're not allowed to watch it. It's not about being a child. It's about being a child of God. And as long as you're a child of God, even if it's rated 18, you are underage. You shouldn't be touching it. And so we are careful. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Now, we are told that there's a cost. If you don't observe the boundaries that the Lord is asking you to keep, you'll start to lose a few things. Lest you lose your, lest you lose your dignity to others and your honor to one who is cruel. Okay? So you begin to lose a few things. And then he goes on to say, let strangers feast on your wealth and your toil and reach another another man's house. Okay. So let me go to the 1984 version that I had quoted so that you can understand, so that you can be consistent just with what I was reading. It says, lest you give your best strength to others and your ears, ears to one who is cruel. Let strangers feast on your wealth and your toil and reach another man's house. Look at that. There is a loss that occurs when you expose yourself to lust. Every exposure to lust results in a debit in your account. What part of your of your life's account is being debited? Okay. So we begin by saying, it begins by saying verse 9, your best strength. That is the first account that begins to lose. Your best strength. Lust steals your best strength. It steals your youth. Now, it's funny because uh, we are most sexually attractive in our youth, and yet we are told the last will take advantage of that youth and squander it. They say youth is wasted on the young. The Bible says the last will ensure that your youth, your best strength, all right, your best strength, your years go to one who is cruel. Who is the cruel one? Satan is the cruel one. Last is the cruel one. Demons are the cruel ones. They are the ones who will take a perfectly a perfectly beautiful 18-year-old and sell into prostitution. And her beauty will be degraded. They'll take a perfectly 21-year-old man and get him to uh, addicted to massage parlors and all kinds of addictions. They'll take a perfectly 25-year-old girl and have her sleep with the whole neighborhood, wasting her youth. They'll take a perfect 27-year-old man and waste himself on prostitutes. There is a youthfulness that you can lose. That youthfulness is meant to be spent with your spouse. Your spouse is meant to get the best of you sexually. 
If you don't devote the best of your time sexually to your spouse, if you don't wait for sex until marriage, if you don't uh, live out your sexuality in a way that's pleasing to God, you'll realize that you will waste it on other people. You'll waste it on sin. Why don't you give the best of your sexual drive to your spouse? Why don't you give the best of your sexual drive to your partner? Why don't you give the gift for you who are who, who, who've not yet been sexually active? Why don't you wait for sex until marriage? Why don't you give it to your gift? Because your sexual energy in its raw, in its raw primary form should be given to your spouse. Why don't you do that? And if you have fallen into sexual sin, why don't you renew your commitment to the Lord and give the best that you have to your partner? You see, so the first thing that is debited is your youth. And then it goes on to say, let strangers feast on your wealth. Hmm. On your wealth, next thing you lose is your money. That somehow your financial capacities are hampered. Now, this is true because there's a study that was done on pornography consumption and it was shown that increased pornography uh, and masturbation use uh, results in the wearing out of the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is a part of your brain that is responsible for making risk-free decisions. And it's been observed that when people indulge themselves in sexual immorality, especially pornography and masturbation, uh, that part of the prefrontal cortex that is meant to... uh, protect them from making stupid decisions. You know, when you're at the edge of a cliff, the thing that makes you not jump, not fall off is your prefrontal cortex. It sends a signal to your brain and says, stop. That prefrontal cortex is also responsible for making other uh, decisions that don't involve you getting hurt. Now, if that part of your brain gets worn out, it affects not just, um, it affects primarily not just your physical environment, but your mind. And so you find your capacity to make financially prudent decisions is hampered. Your capacity to make uh, decisions that will uh, flourish you financially is hampered. Guys, eventually your finances suffer. And there are many stories of men and women who say, my goodness, I spent too much money living a life of sin. Sin is expensive. You spend too much money trying to entertain people, trying to live a life that is costly and yet god is saying come to me he offers his grace freely to renew you to refresh you there's a man who turned away from sin and he got born again and he was telling me honest i did a calculation of the amount of money i spent on prostitutes and the amount of money i spent on alcohol and it came to more than two million shillings in a span of two years and he said two million shillings honest if i had um the mind of christ that two million shillings could have been put in government bonds So last tilts your youth, last tilts your time, last tilts the best that you have. And look what it says. Strangers feast on your wealth and your toil and reach another man's house. You end up, you end up giving your best to someone else. You end up giving your best and building someone else's empire and not your own. It says, guys, Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Are you living in absolute obedience or are you having partial obedience? Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Relationship Center on the Edify Podcast Network. I'm glad you've tuned in. 
And we'll continue next week with Proverbs chapter 5. For more great podcasts that will build your faith and inspire you, please head over to www.edify.app, that is E-D-I-F-I.app, or you could also search for the Edify app on the Google or Apple Play stores respectively. Thank you very much. We'll see you next time.